What is good, guys? Welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu, along with Katie Matamit, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So yesterday, the Warriors and Suns teed off, and the Warriors, they once again fell short again, and now they are 0-8 on the road. The Suns, they bump up again in the standings. Uh, a big stat line from that game, Steph Curry dropped 50 in that game, but unfortunately still lost. And what are your thoughts from that game, Kaden? Um, it just showcased that the Warriors need to have players play consistently besides Steph Curry. We saw the output that Jordan Poole did and had the 36 points in their last win, but if it's not consistent, that's not going to pan out to W's for them. And so while Steph Curry did go off for 50, there needs to be offense coming from somewhere else as well if they want to win that game. Yeah, I do agree. Steph Curry needs help, but not in the sense of what other people are saying that Steph Curry needs help. And a lot of people are saying that Curry needs help and that they need to trade players, like trade Clay away, trade all these other players. I don't think so. Like, this team is the same exact team that got them the championship last year. So I don't understand why they would need to trade those exact players away when they had the recipe of success last year. But like you said, these players are, I don't know, there's just something off about them. They're inconsistent this year. Clay is having a abysmal year right now. He just, can't, it just seems like he just can't make any three-point shot possible, whether that's a catch-and-shoot or off the dribble. So something is just up with Clay Thompson, not the same Clay that we've been seeing. And like you said, Jordan Poole last year, one of the top in six-man-of-the-year rankings, and I, I believe me and you had him pretty high in our six-man-of-the-year predictions in the preseason, but right now, like you said, he's inconsistent. Sometimes he's able to drop 30-plus, 20-plus, but there's also times where yesterday he just drops two points and, like, five assists, and that's just something that cannot happen if you're competing for a championship. Steph Curry, another MVP-level performance, but these all-around players around him, they're just not stepping up to par. The only player I see right now that has been consistent, such as last year, is Andrew Wiggins. He's having a phenomenal year as well. Still solid, around 20 points per game, playing solid defense, but everyone else is just like out the window right now. And where do you rank this performance from Steph Curry? And we saw him have another 50-point game. We see the level of play that he's been having. So where do you rank this season so far on Steph Curry's whole career? Um, ooh, whole career? Yeah. Um, so let's well, put some notable ones. We have the 2016 MVP year, of yeah. course. Then we had the 2020 to 2021 season where the Warriors made the eighth seed but weren't able to pull it through in the play-in. But he had such a phenomenal year. I think in that month of May to April, he averaged like, what, 40 points per game. Then you also have last year where he was actually really solid and then this year as well. Yeah, Um. I honestly think that he may not be in his prime completely, but he's still playing very, very close to that level because of just like... How pure his shot is, it really hasn't changed. That's not something that just, like, goes away. And so, yeah, I, I honestly think that while he hasn't deteriorated too much, I think that in reference to both of his MVP years, he may be playing a little bit down. But, I mean, that's expected. You're not going to be playing your best basketball of your career into your mid-30s. So, yeah, but he's doing his job. He's still putting up stats. He's leading his team in all aspects in which he needs to. And so... Honestly, I'm not going to put this on him. Like, he's performing up to par. And like you said, Andrew Wiggins, too. It's the rest of the guys. It's the inconsistency with the lineups. It's the fact that James Wiseman can't integrate with this team. He's now in the G League. And same thing for a good chunk of those players like Kuminga and Moses Moody. Like, they just haven't found their solidified rotational spots. And I think that the mixing around and having these players... I. 
No, no offense, but I don't know who number forty is on the Warriors, and <laughs> he's getting Anthony minutes. Lamb? Yeah, Anthony Lamb, I guess, and he's getting minutes over that the likings of those players that I mentioned. And so, it's just like if you're the Warriors coach, I feel like you need to do a better job of regulating your rotation so that there's some familiarity with that aspect, and you guys can actually get some chemistry, which can help with wins. You know? Yeah, for me. The 2016 unanimous season for Steph Curry is always going to be number one, despite anything else Steph Curry puts. It's just something about that season was just so special for Steph Curry. So that has to be number one for sure. But I could honestly slide this season right now with the way that he's been playing. And if, and if he continues to play like he is right now for the course of this whole season, I think this could go down as a top three season for Steph Curry in his career. I think number two would probably be the season where he averaged 40 in that one month in 2020 to 2021. I would probably put that as his second best season in his career but if Steph Curry continues to play like this in the course of the season I have him as this third best season of his career because he's been playing so well he's doing pretty much everything he needs to do on offense he's backpacking this offense he is the Warriors offense right now and that just kind of shows volumes to like you said the inconsistency of these role players and it kind of just sucks to see they drafted all these young players with Wiseman, Kuminga, Moody, and you also have the new one, Patrick Baldwin. Like, you all have these new players that are going to be the cornerstone of the franchise once Steph Curry is retiring. But we've also been seeing, too, like, the, the Warrior system may not fit for these new young players. Not sure if it's too sophisticated for them. But a lot of young players nowadays need the ball in their hands to be effective. And with this Warrior offense, it's a lot about moving, cutting, you know, coming off of screens, coming off of dribble handoffs. Not a lot of isolation plays, which... You know, we've seen for the Warriors offense, it worked. It got them four championships in Steph Curry's career. So I'm not sure what Steve Curry needs to do. It's kind of tough regulating these young guys and incorporating with Steph Curry because Steph Curry's in a win-now situation, and they just don't have time for these young players to develop and continue to grow into their careers because Steph Curry, he needs all the rings he can get. His time is coming up soon. Yeah, and I did want to mention really quickly, like, the development for these players, like specifically Jordan Poole, the reason he's formulated into this player is because of how the style of offense works. Like his development fully is like through the lens of like Steph Curry-esque. Like I feel like you can really say that and just know by his game and see that he incorporates that throughout everything that he does. Now, looking at the other players, I feel like they're trying to force that culture too much on the likes of like Jonathan Kuminga, for example, who I think is a phenomenal finisher. And has still has potential to be very good in the mid-range post area. But they're just not looking for him in those aspects. They want him to be able to shoot. If you're on this team, you need to be able to spot up. And so it's just an unfortunate situation because the style of offense they run really does not match like his and Wiseman's style of play. And so maybe you do have to not consider trades, but maybe see what you could get for them. And see if you can just, I don't know, get players that can be more familiar with the offense and actually help run the system more correctly. And with the season the Warriors are having right now and another loss, do you think that trade could potentially happen in the near future or like pretty much soon? Honestly, I can I think it can happen very soon. I think that the core like unlike popular belief, I can't believe that people are saying trade Clay like do you know what he's done for your franchise? Like you can't do that after this point. Like even if like you got the best trade. Like everyone will take that as like the biggest sign of disrespect. So I expect the core to stay intact, but I definitely see them like maybe exploring trades for their younger players just to see like, oh, we're still trying to win right now. We won the championship last year. 
what can we do to get back there? And if it's in their best interest, they find a trade, maybe like like the Lakers option in which they had Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, something like that, maybe throw in a pick along with maybe two of the young players. They could definitely get something like that done. So I think that they definitely should make a move. Yeah, I definitely agree to you. This season has not been the best of starts for the Warriors, and I don't see that changing anytime soon with the current players they have right now and with the inconsistency of the young players with how they're playing. Yeah, I agree. I think a trade is coming very soon for one of these young players because I think that the Warriors need a veteran player that can play in their system, such as an auto porter or someone that could fit very well into the system, incorporate really fast on the Warriors system. I think that's a trade that needs to happen because right now something needs to change for the Warriors and whatever they're doing right now is not working. Could honestly see Joe Harris of the Brooklyn Nets being a candidate because he struggled to start the season very well. Like he, he is not having shooting splits that are appeasing by any means, but you know the player he is. And so he matches that offense very well. So I think that could be potential. Yeah. and Let's move on to the Suns uh, who beat the Warriors yesterday night. And they could be a very scary team. They won without Chris Paul and Cam Johnson, two very integral players in their in their rotation. But something still seems off about this team for me. The inconsistency of the role players, I think, is going to play a huge factor once playoff time comes around. There's no, there's no doubt that they are going to make the playoffs, the Suns. But we saw last year the reason why they lost to the Mavs was the role players weren't stepping up. Mikhail Bridges wasn't playing his best. DeAndre Ayton wasn't playing his best. Chris Paul couldn't play his best either. Devin Booker just had a solid playoff series, but wasn't playing as a superstar that he was playing at. So for these young players, it's great for them seeing that they're stepping up right now, such as Campaign, who had a career-high 29 points yesterday. Mikhail Bridges also dropped in another 22. But you still have to see if these players can play the same level as they are right now in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Like Nothing like matters that you do in the regular season as long as you don't do in the playoffs. Like, like you said, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, those players really weren't performing up to par as they usually did in those playoffs. And so it's essential for them to win next time around and if they wanted to find success. But I did want to point out, like you said, they're dealing with the likes of injuries with Cam Johnson and Chris Paul right now. Um, the, their, to address their bench problems, I think that once campaign starts to come off the bench again, along with Corey Craig, like... He is a solid shooter. I don't think he's a starting caliber player in this league right now. And so I, I know um, Cam Johnson's out for a, lo- a longer experience, uh, longer amount of time than Chris Paul. But I think once the health kind of deter- like deteriorates, like the health concerns, then this team should find out like, oh, they're the same team that won 60 games a season ago. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, speaking of the Mavericks that we just talked about, Luka and the Mavericks, they beat the Clippers in a three-point win. Luka, of course, nothing short of phenomenal, 35 points in that win. But they also did just lose to the Rockets the probably like two two days after. But Luka did not play in that game. So as the Mavericks, right? Right now, they're around the middle of the pack in the standings. Do you think the Mavericks are able to sustain this level of play, whether that be continue to play great when Luka's playing, or do you think it's going to fall off? Um, I think that the effect that Luca has on his team is just like it's I think only explored with one other person in this league, and that's Jokic to be able to fully dominate through passing and scoring is something that like you don't see throughout players when they're leading their team, especially like MVP candidates. I feel like I can confidently say that Luka Doncic is an MVP candidate right now. Um, like this team is built well, 
like relatively well. They got Christian Wood, they got Spencer Dinwiddie, they have pieces around them like shooters like Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. The foundation though, they have no second score that they can rely on past Luka though. So I'm saying like they'll this team will go as far as Luka's willing to take them, and if any like any injuries suffice with Luka, I I think he can kiss their season goodbye. Like I think he's that much of an impact for them, really. Yeah, and for me, Luka, I'm kind of split in the middle right now because a lot of people are saying that this Mavericks team cannot sustain this level of play because they kind of compare Luka and this offense to James Harden as he was playing in the Rockets where James Harden was the offense and anything that James Harden does was going to be the reason why they won or they lost. Luka, for me, is I think it's a little different from Harden. Luka, yes, they do play the same style of play where it's a lot of iso ball, right? But... The thing I see in Luka that's different about Harden, Luka comes through in the clutch. Luka has that killer mentality, and he is going to go through you. He's going to do whatever it takes to get this team to win. Nothing on Harden. I think he was a phenomenal player right now. And on the Rockets, I think his time on the Rockets was very underrated. Not a lot of people still talk about that right now. But when the time mattered, right, when it was in the clutch, I did not see Harden having that same exact mentality of scoring, the killing mentality. I did not see that. I didn't see that from Harden. And there will be times where the moment's too bright for Harden and he just doesn't perform. Luka, on the other hand, though, this guy performs every time when it's needed. We saw against the Clippers, one-point lead, shot clock winding down. Luka gets the ball, splashes down a three to ice the game, right? Many times over and over, Luka has been coming up in the clutch. And... Luka is this tall six, what six seven six eight guard, and he's not expending a lot of energy on offense either. As you, if you really watch the game, he's very methodical. He's very slow. He gets to his spots when he needs to. He doesn't really need to explode to the rim, do all that stuff. He's very methodical with this stuff. So which is why he has a lot of stamina. He's able to carry this load of offense on his back. But again, he cannot be the one man army because this team is too inconsistent for Luka and. There will be times where Luka is going to get double teamed, maybe even triple teamed. And he's going to have to rely on these other players to score for him. And if they're not scoring, this team is not going to go far in the playoffs, such as Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Christian Wood. There's times, and also Tim Hardaway Jr. There's times where these players are living up to their contracts, living up to their second role. There's also times where they score two points, such as yesterday. Spencer Dinwiddie, two points. A big reason why they lost to the Rockets. So for this team... I really don't think there needs to be a significant trade. They could add a little tiny pieces in and out from trades, maybe through also free agents as well, to continue to boost up the roster. But in terms of like a big significant trade, I don't think that they need to do that. Luka is solely enough. They just need these star players or these role players to be able to be consistent. Honestly, I think I'm going to oppose that. Like, while these role players for this team have, like, done their respective jobs in in the past like i feel like there hasn't been like a huge stretch where you could say like oh tim hardaway jr reggie bullock these guys are just dorian finney smith not playing well at all and like for that to happen and for you to still lose games like that's your team that's your core i feel like luca needs someone else who he can rely on if he like just from scoring to come from someone else they look at that for christian wood right now but he's struggled uh, not gonna lie to start the season and so while it, it they don't need to make a big trade i think that if they were to it would pay off dividends for this team like 
not not a superstar. Obviously not a superstar because I doubt that he could even afford that. But say may, maybe like an all, fringe all-star caliber player. They need someone just like they can provide maybe 15, 16 points per game consistently for them, you know? And I think that's something that they lack as at the moment. I think they do have that player with Christian Wood and Dinwiddie. I think both of those players are able to score those 16 points per game. It's just a matter of are they able to do it consistently as well. We've seen Dinwiddie go off for 20, 30 points at some games, but then we also seen the game yesterday where he scores only two points. But uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. as well, he's able to put up at least 15 points per game. But is he going to be able to do that on a nightly basis? We've seen times where he's able to do it. There's times where he's going to stretch where he only scores four points a game. Same thing with Christian Wood too. They're all able to score that 16-plus points per game. It's just a matter if they're able to do it on a nightly basis, which is the reason why they win some games, the reason why they don't win some games. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that all three of those players are capable of doing it. And like you said, it's a matter of whether they're able to do it consistently. And I think that's where the problem lies. Like, if you can't get consistent play from your core players, you're going to have to start relying on Luka. And then once you start relying on Luka, and he's one one man. It's a It's not a 1v5. It's a 5v5. And... To say you have to play as a team, Luca will get you open looks, but if they're not hitting, it's not gonna be good. Yes, I do agree. Let's see where the move. Let's see where the season continues to progress. If the Mavericks continue this level of play, let's move on to the NFL Week Eleven right around the corner, and it's the time of the week again. Our NFL predictions, and honestly, you've been kind of going off, Katie. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, you've been popping off on these. So let's continue that right now. Thursday night game, a very fun one: Titans and Green Bay. And I'll let you start it off, Mr. Hotman. Now, I was honestly really torn for this game. Um, Green Bay did have a very nice win last week. However, I don't trust their run defense altogether completely. Now, Derrick Henry in years past has feasted on any team that has given up like significant amount of yards per carry this season. And the Packers D-line has done just that. So... I think that while he's going to thrive, there's just really no source of offense for the Titans besides him. So I'm going to go with Green Bay for this one. This is a tough one for me. Um, Like you said, Green Bay, great run defense. Titans, great secondary. I don't know who to trust for this. So this is hard because Derrick Henry, he we know that he has games where he's been stopped. But there's also times where there's games that even though there's a tough D-line out there, he still runs through them, has a big game. Who do I trust more on the offensive side? This is tough for me because Aaron Rodgers, he played phenomenal last week, right? But also there's times where it's just like, what yeah. is he doing? What are yeah. these wide receivers doing? This is tough, but I don't have to lean toward the times for this. So I think I trust Derrick Henry more than this Aaron Rodgers offense. It's going to be a really fun game to watch, but I don't know, man. Both of these teams are too inconsistent. I don't know which one to lean, but I might just have to give it to King Henry. He's too good. It's handed in yours. We have a Patriots and the Jets, a very young, promising Jets team. And the Patriots were on a two-game win streak. That's your team. I'll let you choose which one. Now, I am very, very aware of what the Jets are doing right now. I think that they're just, like, they're hitting on all cylinders. However, I know specifically Zach Wilson's really struggled facing Bill Belichick's defense, throwing a total of, I believe, seven picks throughout three games against the Patriots in his career. And so I fully expect the Patriots' defense to come blazing again. They're not really dealing with anything problematic with their defense right now. Their offense is a different story. But for now, I'm more focused on the defensive side of things. Um, Again, though, for the Jets as well, their defense is also hitting. So I think this is definitely going to be a defensive game. Definitely 
if you're looking to bet on this game, go for the under on total points. Um, I honestly am going to lean Patriots a little bit uh, just because I think that Matthew Judon has been stellar for this defense and it's created other opportunities for defensive linemen such as Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise, or even Josh Uche who recorded three sacks I believe last week which was unheard of or, or two weeks ago before their bye week. But yeah, I'm going to lean Patriots a little bit over the Jets. You don't have to sound so humble with your team. Like, I understand that's your home team, but I mean, for me, it's the, give me the Patriots easily. Like, the Jets, they have been playing well, but the Patriots always have the Jets number. Like, whatever the Jets play, the Patriots is always the Patriots winning this one. Like you said, Zach Wilson never plays well against the Patriots, and I don't think he's going to do anything better when they're on the road against in Foxborough. So, give me the Patriots for that one. Not that much of a competition for me. Then we have the Bills and the Browns. Who do you have taking that one? Now, I'm honestly going to go with the Bills. And don't expect this game, though, to be a blowout. Like, um, the the running that we've seen from this group so far this season, Nick Chubb is just not to be denied. Like, he, he'll he have an impact on this game even if you try to take him out of it. And so the, the, the Browns are really always a threat because they do have capable guys like Amari Cooper, like Nick Chubb, like Kareem Hunt like David Njoku, so it'll be interesting to see it, but I will lean the Bills because they're just, I feel like their defense is just miles above their the Browns, even though the Browns have Miles Carey, arguably one of the best defenders in the league, but yeah, definitely, I don't think this is even close, I think there's no doubt in my mind that the Bills will win this game. I'm going to take an upset for this one, I'm taking the Browns over the Bills, two reasons why. Last year, the Bills played the Patriots in very, very cold weather. And what happened, the Patriots ran the ball almost like 30, oh, yeah. 40 times. <laughs> and they were able to squeak through the win. The game conditions for this game is not looking very great up to the weather report. They're projected about, what, five, five, five six feet of six snow. feet. Feet, not inches. Feet of snow. All right, <laughs> so these weather conditions are not great for passing. And would I lean more on the running game? Of course, the Cleveland Browns. They don't even have one star running back. They don't have two. They have three. They have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson. Ta- those three could be a starter cali- starting caliber running back in any other team. They just so happen to all be on the Cleveland Browns. I don't trust the Bills' run, def- uh, run game enough. They don't have that star running back in Devil Singletary, Naheem Hines, Josh Allen. I don't trust that three enough more than Kareem Hunt uh, and Nick Chubb. Josh Allen's not going to be able to throw the ball that much. I'm going to be telling you right now. If those weather conditions continue to settle in on Sunday... <laughs> please do not throw the ball like that ball you throw it downfield it's going to fly like 10 feet the other way all right like they're not going to be throwing the ball that much and i'm gonna trust that the running a game for the browns is going to take him over the top of the bills I, I honestly agree with you a lot i think that this game is going to come down to the run but then i think you're forgetting a little that josh allen is a very capable runner himself and so the threat of the qb being able to run in these conditions i feel like is going to pay off for them as well so again it will come down to the run but which running group we'll see Definitely. And then we have an AFC West matchup with the Raiders and the Broncos. <laughs> Let's, I don't even know who to choose for this one. No, honestly, I, I think this is fairly easy in my mind. I think I'm going to take the Broncos because the Raiders have just looked so atrocious all the season. Like, it's really just like, it, I, I've expected them to, like, win. But they've just blown every lead. I think I saw a stat that three three straight games this year, they, they've led by double digits. And in the fourth quarter, they've lost the lead. And so... It's just execution. You, If you're not able to execute, you're not going to be able to win games. And I think while the Broncos are very injury-riddled, 
they have been able to execute a few W's under the book, and notable ones too. And so I will take the Broncos over the Raiders. This is going to be a very low-scoring game, I think, but it could be two ways. Either the Broncos' defense decides to stifle this Raiders' offense, and that's what ultimately is going to get them to win, or this Broncos' defense is going to be on the field too much, and it's going to cause them to be tired, which is going to cause a breakthrough, and the Raiders' offense is able to pull through. This is tough for me because the Raiders have always been having the Broncos' number. They have been winning, I think, the past five, six, maybe even seven games in the past few years, so... Raiders always been having the Broncos number, but they also have not been looking the best as well. This is tough for me, but I don't know, man. The Broncos, they've been looking so injury riddled. Their offense just looks even more worse than the Raiders. I don't know how that's even possible, but <laughs> like they don't they're they're down on receivers, they're down on O line. I think there was a stat last week that said if there was one more O line injured in that game last week, they would have no more backups. Like that's it. That's literally the five O linemen that were on the field, that's literally the last ones. So this team has been so injury-riddled. Offense has not been looking great. I think I'm going to take the Raiders for this one. As, as It sucks to say it because I'm a Broncos guy, but no, nah, I'm taking the Raiders for this one. I just don't see a way that the Broncos can pull through. And we have a very great one here, the Bengals and the Steelers. Who do you have taking that game? Bengals. Easy. Easy? Easy. Really? Easy. I think that this Steelers team, while Kenny Pickett has played relatively solid, honestly, over the last couple of weeks, I think the Bengals are starting to get rolling, even though they're down Jamar Chase, even though they're not fully healthy. I think that Joe Mixon starting to really find his groove. He had that five touchdown performance, but he's played solid throughout, I feel like, the whole year. Um, I just think that this team is no comparison to the Steelers, and so I'm going to go with the Bengals for sure. A part of me really wants to choose the Steelers, and honestly... I'm going to choose the Steelers. Something's itching my way. TJ Watt is coming back from the injury. And we know this Bengals O-line is not the best of the best as well. And TJ Watt is going to be out for vengeance. Like, he has not been playing. I know he has a chip on his shoulder. So he's going to be coming for Joe Burrow for sure. And with this Bengals O-line, they're not going to stop TJ Watt. It's going to cause a lot of havoc. And like you said, there's no Jamar Chase. And we saw the only reason why they won the Panthers because Joe Mixon had a career game with five touchdowns but receiving wise passing wise they weren't looking the best they had no jamar chase unless t higgins somehow goes off for another 200 yard game like he did last year i'm low-key thinking the steelers could be able to pull this one through through the defense and we have washington commanders against the houston Texans. oh my god (laughs) then we have the washington commanders and the houston texans who do you have winning that game so i know i took them to beat the Eagles last week and they did so I think this is kind of like a coming back to earth game I don't think that the commanders are that good of a team and I think that Davis Mills uh, but the Texans are also really not good you see I I, I don't I want to take the Texans but again it's they're just so bad I, I have to stick to the commanders I was really about to say the Texans but thinking that one over really quickly I have to go with the commanders because even though I don't think that they're as good as that win against the Eagles was they're just still that much better <laughs> than the Texans I definitely agree I don't think the commanders are that team yet but I guess the Texans come on they're like one in seven right yeah, now yeah, this yeah. should <laughs> not be that much of a big shouldn't be that much of a problem for the Washington commanders with how they were playing last week we have the Eagles and the Colts who do you have winning that game Oh, man. Oh, man. So the Eagles just signed um, Ndamukong Sa, yeah. and adding to their defensive line. And I think that's 
going to be a decent move for them. I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact, but that's just another name we can throw into that defense. So it's it's obviously a plus for them. Um, however, last week, Jonathan Taylor, he showed me a glimpse of, of what I saw of him last year when I took him first pick in my fantasy league this year. He showed me why. And so I'm fully expecting him to dominate this game. I think the, um, I don't know. I have the Colts winning this game. I think that this is just st- the start of the Eagles coming back to reality. They're not an 8-0 team. They're not. And I knew this going into the week. I knew that the commanders were going to come out on top because they were just due to lose. Although they were playing decent competition this whole time, like, I don't know. They're just not going to go 8-0. They're not going to go 16-1. or 16-1. They're not going to have that good of a year. So I'm I'm going to take the Colts. Interesting take. I have the Eagles winning this one. I know they did lose against the Commanders, but I think this is a very great bounce back game. This is going to be a very low one, though. I think it's going to go around the mid-20s, maybe even lower. But the Eagles, I think they're just a better team. The defense on both sides, it's about equal-ish, but the Eagles, I think they're a step ahead on defense and on offense. They're, I think, like may, like five miles ahead of the Colts on offense, so... I give me the Eagles over the Colts. Then we have the Ravens and the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, this is this is an easy game. I think it's gonna be the the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question about that. Give me the Ravens. <laughs> then the Rams and the Saints. Now Very here, this is game. interesting. So, um, this is in the uh, New Orleans Stadium. Um, oh, and the Rams are the underdogs. So I'm gonna take the Rams. I think that Matthew Stafford's coming back this week officially. I I saw something somewhere which said he will play this week. And so that's going to be huge for them. Um, although, they did just put Cooper Cup on IR. I think that this is good where we're going to start seeing some type of, I don't know about relationship, but just like connection from Allen Robinson and um, Matthew Stafford. I think that those two are going to not like, like just kind of find their groove a little more in Cooper Cup's absence because it gives them like really no other option to throw to unless you're going to start throwing to Fan Jefferson, who's also a good player. Like This offense still has similar weapons to what they did in this championship run. And so, I, yeah, give me, the, give me the Rams for sure. I'm choosing the Saints for this one. I think Cooper Cup was such a, like, he was the offense for this Rams team. And with no Cooper Cup, I generally don't know where the Rams go from here. I don't know who they want to throw to. They're definitely not running the ball. There. I think they're like, pretty much last in the league and running the ball so I generally do not know where the Rams go for offense and I know the Saints haven't been looking the greatest of like I don't know the Saints haven't been looking like the team that they were supposed to be but I trust the Saints more right now than the Rams and we have the Lions and the Giants I think this could be an easy one right now yeah uh give me the Giants I don't think that the defense for um the Lions will be able to start stop Saquon Barkley simply said yeah and last week I said Saquon was going to rush for over 120 yards against the te- Texans, I believe. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Give me another 120-yard game from Saquon Barkley. Yep. And speaking of 120-yard games, um, QB, Justin Fields, <laughs> in this next matchup against the uh, Falcons. Who do you have winning that one? Interesting one. Um, the Falcons, they did not look good at all against the Panthers last Thursday night. The Bears, on the other hand, they put up the points, but they just haven't been winning games. I don't know. This is tough. This is tough. But I think I'm going to lean more on the Bears. Yeah. I think the offense is really clicking now. They're starting to get it together. And I think 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just I'm leaning more the Bears this way. I trust their offense more. Yeah, the execution for the Bears down the stretch has been a little bit iffy. I'm not gonna lie. They lost, I believe, to the Miami Dolphins a couple of weeks back by three, and then losing this past week to the Lions by one point. Like they're coming up very, very short, and so I I think Justin Fields has really proved himself to be. I don't know, just a threat, a very big threat on on offense, not through only throwing, though, through passing as he's put up back-to-back 100-yard rush games as a quarterback, something crazy that we haven't seen besides Lamar Jackson himself. Um, And so I think that this offense for the Bears is really starting to click, like you said, and we've seen how the Falcons really struggled last week against the Panthers. So, yeah, I'll take the Bears as well for this one. They have a very good game right here, the Cowboys and the Vikings. I say I'm going to choose the Cowboys for this game. Now, I know the Vikings just beat the Bills, so they're probably super high right now. Their Eagles are on top of their roof, and I feel like that could be a, a, a negative for them. And the Cowboys, they did just lose to the Packers, but I saw something that I liked on that offense. They're able to put up so much points. CeeDee Lamb had a very, very big game. And with Dak Prescott coming back, I think their offense is starting to click back together, right? They're getting everyone back healthy. Their offense is starting to click. Defense is starting to step it up a tiny bit. They didn't look great last week, but I think they're starting to get all their key players back from injury. And I think that's going to be the upset over the Vikings. Vikings, they're playing super great, but I feel like them playing so great right now, their egos are probably on top of the world. I think they're going to slip up a little bit, and I think the Cowboys are going to win. Now here... The Vikings right now are my pick to win the NFC and eventually go to the Super Bowl. I think that their talented offense has really not been seen before. Of course, Kirk being behind it all may may not be ideal, but having three top five players on offense is kind of crazy throughout the league. Um, We saw what Justin Jefferson did last week. We saw what Dalvin Cook did last week, and we saw the role in TJ Hawkinson and how he's progressed with this team. He may not need the biggest impact, but he'll he'll make his presence known when it needs to be. And so I think that there is no questions with this Cowboys defense. They are really, really good. However, I think there's even less questions about this offense. And pairing it with the defense of the Vikings, which has been solid for pretty much the entire year, I think I have no choice but to go back to the fact that I don't know if I trust Dak and the Cowboys offense quite yet. I, I I know fully that the um the defense for the Cowboys though is going to rise up to this challenge and they're going to limit this offense to sc- like not score like so much marginally than they would in other weeks. But again, I think that the offense is just like it's it's so it's it's mid man. It's really <laughs> mid, and so yeah, I'll take the cow. Oh, no, the Vikings for this game. Interesting. And then we have the Sunday night matchup, a very good one. The Kansas City Chiefs against the Los Angeles Chargers. Who do you have winning that game? Give me the Chiefs. The Chargers are so injured right now. Like, I I think I saw a stat where they were using, like, practice squad players to replace practice squad players that are starting on their team. Like, it's at a (laughs) point right now where it's getting just out of hand. Like, they lost a... one, I think, defensive lineman, one offensive lineman last week as well. So it's just getting worse. Like, I, I really don't know, like, what else to say. Like, of course, their um, their team, when healthy, is so good. But they just aren't healthy. And so there's not much you can really say. Like, 
and, and excuse of them. Like, I'm not saying the Chargers are bad, but, like, they're just not going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs, you know? Definitely. Uh, no question here. Give me the Chiefs. Chiefs always been able to dominate the Chargers, and I don't see that. T- I don't see that ending anytime soon. And then we have the Monday night game, the 49ers and the Cardinals. I think this is a pretty easy one. Yeah. Um. Give me the 49ers. Although the Cardinals, I don't know. They they do, they do have some sense of like, oh, they could put up a fight. But again, like I think that this Niners team is really going to excel in these final in this final stretch of the season, final seven weeks, and so. I'm excited to see what they can do in this matchup because this is a very, very big NFC matchup. It'll decide, I believe, who is leading one another in the um, NFC West. And so, if the 49ers win, they uphold the NFC West title over the Seahawks. Yeah. And so, I honestly think that they will do that after this game, but I don't know. Don't sleep on the Cardinals, is all I'm going to say. Um, Kyler Murray is probably going to go back to his living room and play COD because Warzone <laughs> Tune is coming out this week. Oh, and I don't oh. expect that to... Um, yeah, I don't expect Kyler Murray to do film study for this game. 49ers are going to do their thing. So yeah, give me the 49ers over the Cardinals. And that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chill, along with Katie Montamid, and we'll see you next time.